Chapter Eight of Uncle Silas by Joseph Sheridan Le Fanu. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight. The Smoker. Three years later, I learned, in a way she probably little expected, and then did not much care about, what really occurred there. I learned even phrases and looks, for the story was related by one who had heard it told, and therefore I venture to narrate what at the moment I neither saw nor suspected. While I sat, flushed and nervous, upon a flat stone by the bank of the little stream, Madame looked over her shoulder, and perceiving that I was out of sight, she abated her pace and turned sharply towards the ruin which lay at her left. It was her first visit, and she was merely exploring. But now, with a perfectly shrewd and business-like air, turning the corner of the building she saw seated upon the edge of a gravestone a rather fat and flashily equipped young man with large light whiskers a jerry hat green cutaway coat with gilt buttons and waistcoat and trousers rather striking than elegant in pattern he was smoking a short pipe and made a nod to madame without either removing it from his lips or rising but with his brown and rather good-looking face turned up, he eyed her with something of the impudent and sulky expression that was habitual to it. "'Ah, Deedle, you are there, and look so well. I am here too, quite alone, but my friend, she wait outside the churchyard, beside the little river, for she must not think I know you, so I am come alone.' "'You're a quarter late, and I lost a fight by you, old girl, this morning,' said the gay man, and spat on the ground. "'And I wish you would not call me Diddle. I'll call you Granny, if you do.' "'Eh bien, dud, then. She is very nice. What do you like? Slim waist, white teeth, very nice eyes, dark, what you say is best, a nice little foot and ankle.' Madame smiled leeringly. Dud smoked on. "'Go on,' said Dud, with a nod of command. "'I am teach her to sing and play. She has such sweet voice.' There was another interval here. "'Well, that isn't much good. I hate women screeching about fairies and flowers. Hang her! There's a scarecrow as sings at Curl's Divan. Such a caterwauling upon a stage. I'd like to put my two barrels into her.' By this time Dud's pipe was out, and he could afford to converse. "'You shall see her and decide. You will walk down the river and pass her by. That's as may be. Howsoever, it would not do, no-how, to buy a pig in a poke, you know. And suppose I shouldn't like her after all?' Madame sneered, with a patois ejaculation of derision. "'Very good.' then someone else will not be so hard to please, as you will soon find. "'Someone's been a-looking after her, you mean?' said the young man, with a shrewd, uneasy glance on the cunning face of the French lady. "'I mean precisely.' "'That which I mean,' replied the lady, with a teasing pause at the break I have marked. "'Come, Alden, none of your dear old chaff.' "'If you want me to stay here listening to you, speak out, can't you? "'There's any chap as been a-looking after her, is there?' "'Maybe, yeah, I suppose some.' 
well you suppose and i suppose we may all suppose i guess but that does not make a thing be as wasn't before and you can tell me how the lass is kept private up here and will be till you're done educating her a precious good un that is and he laughed a little lazily with the ivory handle of his cane on his lip and eyeing madame with indolent derision madame laughed but looked rather dangerous i'm only chaffin you know old girl you've been chaffin why shouldn't i but i don't see why she can't wait a bit and what's all the deed hurry for i'm in no hurry i don't want a wife on my back for a while there's no fellow marries till he's took his bit of fun and seen life is there and why should i be driving with her to fairs or to church or to meeting by jingo for they say she's a quaker with a babby on each knee only to please them as will be dead and rotten when i'm only beginning ah yeah, you are such a charming fellow always the same always sensible so i and my friend we will walk home again and you go see maggie Orks. good-bye dud good-bye quiet you fool can't you said the young gentleman with a sort of grin that made his face vicious when a horse vexed him whoever said i wouldn't go look at the girl why you know that's what i come here for don't you only when i think a bit and a notion comes across me why shouldn't i speak out i'm not one of them shilly-shallies if i like the girl i'll not be mug in and mug out about it only mind ye i'll judge for myself is that her a-comin no it was a distant sound madame peeped round the corner no one was approaching well you go that away, and you only look at her you know for she is such fool so nervous oh is that the way with her said dud knocking out the ashes of his pipe on a tombstone and replacing the turkish utensil in his pocket well then old lass good-bye and he shook her hand and you see don't come up till i pass for i'm no hand at play-acting and if you called me sir i was coming in dignified and distant you know i'd be sure to laugh almost and let it out so good-bye d'ye see and if you want me again be sharp to time mind from habit he looked about for his dogs but he had not brought one he had come unostentatiously by rail travelling in a third-class carriage for the advantage of jack bridley's company and getting a world of useful wrinkles about the steeplechase that was coming off next week so he strode away cutting off the heads of the nettles with his cane as he went and madame walked forth into the open space among the graves where i might have seen her had i stood up looking with the absorbed gaze of an artist on the ruin in a little while along the path i heard the clank of a step and the gentleman in the green cutaway coat sucking his cane and eyeing me with an offensive familiar sort of stare the while passed me by rather hesitating as he did so i was glad when he turned the corner in the little hollow close by and disappeared i stood up at once and was reassured by a sight of madame not very many yards away looking at the ruin and apparently restored to her right mind the last beams of the sun were by this time touching the uplands and i was longing to recommence our walk home 
I was hesitating about calling to Madame, because that lady had a certain spirit of opposition within her, and to disclose a small wish of any sort was generally, if it lay in her power, to prevent its accomplishment. At this moment the gentleman in the green coat returned, approaching me with a slow sort of swagger. "'I say, miss, I dropped a glove close by here. May you have seen it?' "'No, sir,' I said, drawing back a little and looking. "'I dare say, both frightened and offended. "'I do think I must have dropped it close by your foot, miss.' "'No, sir,' I repeated. "'No offence, miss, but you're sure you didn't hide it?' "'I was beginning to grow seriously uncomfortable. "'Don't be frightened, miss. It's only a bit of chaff. "'I'm not going to search.' "'I called aloud. "'Madame! Madame!' and he whistled through his fingers and shouted, "'Madame! Madame!' and added, "'She's as deaf as a tombstone, or she'll hear that. "'Gear my compliments, and say I said you're a beauty, miss.' And with a laugh and a leer he strode off. Altogether this had not been a very pleasant excursion. Madame gobbled up our sandwiches, commending them every now and then to me but I had been too much excited to have any appetite left, and very tired I was when we reached home. "'So there is Lady coming to-morrow?' said Madame, who knew everything. "'What is her name? I forget.' "'Lady Knollys,' I answered. "'Lady Knollys! What odd name! She is very young, is she not? Past fifty, I think. Ella, she is very old, then. Is she rich?' i don't know she has a place in derbyshire derbyshire that is one of your english counties is it not oh yes madame i answered laughing i have said it to you twice since you came and i gabbled through the chief towns and rivers as catalogued in my geography bah to be sure of course chow and is she your relation papa's first cousin won't you present to me pray i would so like madame had fallen into the english way of liking people with titles as perhaps foreigners would if titles implied the sort of power they do generally with us certainly madame you will not forget oh no madame reminded me twice in the course of the evening of my promise she was very eager on this point but it is a world of disappointment influenza and rheumatics and next morning madame was prostrate in her bed and careless of all things but flannel and james's powder madame was desolée but she could not raise her head she only murmured a question for how long time dear will lady nollys remain a very few days i believe eh la how unlucky maybe tomorrow i shall be better oh, my ear the laudanum dear child and so our conversation for that time ended and madame buried her head in her old red cashmere shawl End of chapter eight